0: Hello, welcome to Book Talk. I'm your host, Anthony Morore. At Book Talk, we get to have an author come and tell us about their book. And today we have a great author and a good topic that we are going to cover maybe it's something that you said day and day day and day every single day you hear about it but uh, you don't know much history about it but today someone is going to tell us about the coca-cola and without taking one more minute i'm going to introduce to the show larry jorgensen welcome to the show Hey
1: Anthony thank you this is going to be a wonderful experience looking oh, yeah.
0: forward I'm looking forward to it too because there's so much many questions I ask about the Coca-Cola and now since you're here and I believe you've got a lot of experience just from the look of it <laughs> we did we did a lot of
1: research yeah. and you know the interesting thing about the book Anthony um No one, there's been a lot of books written about Coca-Cola, about Mm -hmm. the corporate Coca-Cola. No one has written a book with details about all the bottlers, the people who made Coca-Cola happen. You ah. know, and I was surprised when I got started with this to find out that I was blazing a new trail. You know, it's oh. it's been fun and it's been a lot of a lot of interesting stories that uh, we've been able
0: to gather for the book. Oh, and that's beautiful. So for those of you who are joining us, we have Larry who's written the coca-cola trail that's about the people places and in the history of coca-cola so we are gonna have a great ride um please tell us uh before we go to how you wrote the book let let us maybe know go deep right deep inside it and know how did all the coca-cola issues start i mean where did it all come from why did I start the book? That, no, 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 the Coca-Cola, what, what, le, le, How? the origin of Coca-Cola.
1: Okay. Well, Coca-Cola, you know, started as a syrup, obviously, and it still is. Um, the syrup was invented in, in Georgia, Columbus, Georgia, by Mr. John Pemberton. And he had been in the Civil War and was injured. He also had been a pharmacist of sorts before the war. So when he came back after the war and was suffering pain from his injury, he started experimenting with things he knew to try to get pain and not get addict- a drug addiction. And he finally came up with this concoction, <laughs> this syrup uh, of, made of coca leaf and cola nut. And he made this syrup and it gave him relief. And he thought, this is wonderful. Well, by then he had moved to Atlanta, Georgia and was doing, you know, his his pharmacy work there. Uh, And he finally developed the uh, Coca-Cola syrup and he took it to the local drugstore where they had a fountain. And he said, try this, you know, sell this to a customer. And so, you know, you take a little syrup, you put it in a glass, you give it a little shot of carbonated water, and you have a beverage. Well, it was for, as they say, medicinal purposes. You know, it was to cure pain or whatever. Well, as it turned out, it also tasted pretty good, you know. So, the way it got started started in places like that drugstores that had the little soda fountains you know um and it was sold as a syrup to the drugstore owner to serve for you know to help serve uh, solve pain and things like that um it actually john uh, pemberton was was himself about three years, he sold the Coca-Cola formula and the rights to it to Asa Candler. Now, Mr. Candler thought this is a great product and people are enjoying it. So he set off to sell the syrup all over the country and he would sell it to people who had drugstores, had soda fountains, and the idea was to buy the syrup and to make the drink at the soda fountain. Well, we we start the book, chapter one. We start in Vicksburg, Mississippi, because that place is the first place that Coca Cola was put in a bottle. There was Mr. Mr. Pembert, and then, I'm sorry, Mr. Biedenharn, Mr. Joe Biedenharn had a a, a a little soda fountain and a candy store, and he was selling it, you know, across the counter, and he thought. You know, I mean, this was 18, this was 1895, you know, Mm -hmm. not much transportation. And he thought, if I could bottle this drink, I could get it to the people in the country, because it was a long trip from the country to town, you know, no cars, obviously. Mm -hmm. So he bought a little secondhand bottling machine up in St. Louis, because they were bottling in those days. You know, they were bottling sarsaparilla and orange and all that. Yeah. So he was able to buy a little bottling machine, and he started bottling Coca-Cola. No one had ever bottled Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Well, as it turned out, he 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 sent a couple cases. His first cases, he sent them to Mr. Candler, who was selling him the syrup. Mm-hmm let him know what he was doing. And Mr. Candler said, it's okay, but yeah, I'm not worried about that. You know, that's not for me. I sell syrup, you know. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Biedenhardt, who was in in Vicksburg, was bottling Coca-Cola for five years before anybody else ever bottled it. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is Coca-Cola... Asa Candler, who owned the company and was making the syrup, didn't think bottling was a good idea. He thought, that is really a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. And it was finally two attorneys from Chattanooga, Tennessee, that said, you know, this is a great drink. And bottling it is a good idea. So they went to jo- all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. And they talked to Asa Candler, who was making the syrup, Mm -hmm. and they said, we want the rights, the exclusive rights in the United States to bottle Mm Coca-Cola. And and Mr. Candler said, no, that's really a dumb idea. He said, I don't like that idea. I'm worried the flavor of the Coca-Cola might change. He said, no, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Well, they can't, so they go back to Chattanooga, and they said, we're going to try again. They go back to Atlanta. They meet with Asa Candler again, and they, they again tell him, we want to buy. We'll buy the rights. So finally, I think he just got tired, you know, of, of listening to them. Mm-hmm. So he, I'll tell you what. your attorneys. You go back to your hotel tonight. You draw up a contract, okay? Mm-hmm. and And you bring it to me in the morning. So they bring him a contract to be the exclusive United States the only bottler for Coca-Cola. So he read the contract and he said, "Well, he said, I can't let you do have the rights to Mississippi because mm-hmm. old well, Joe's already been doing it for 5 years, you know." Yeah. So he he sold them Anthony, he sold them the rights to bottle Coca-Cola. The they were the only ones that could do it. In the United States, for a dollar, for one dollar, okay, yeah. and mm-hmm. and the story is that he never even bothered to collect a dollar, and he told them before they went back to Chattanooga, he said, "I still think this is really a dumb idea." He yeah. said, "He said I think you know bottling is a backstreet business." He said, "If this doesn't work, don't you come crying back to me about it." Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go back. They go back to Chattanooga. Now they've mm-hmm. got the rights to bottle Coca-Cola all over the United States, right? Mm-hmm. These two guys—they're nice guys, but they only have fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, they go back. They go back to Chattanooga, and they set up a little bottling plant. Mm-hmm. It was really, really crude, very old-fashioned. The—they didn't quite have it under control. The. When the bottles would be filled and carbonated, some of them would explode, you know, and and yeah. and and they they thought, how in the world are we going to bottle Coca-Cola for the whole country? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Anthony, we have a, a story over here about about a dog chasing a car, yeah. and when the dog chases the car, what do you do with it? See, so they were kind of like the dog. They they would chase the Coca-Cola, they got it, and now. What are they going to do with it? You know, mm-hmm. so, so they finally they thought, wait a minute, we've got the rights, you know. it's Today we call that franchising, don't we?
0: Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: They, so they started cutting the country up into little pieces. Okay. If you, if you wanted to to bottle Coca Cola in uh, Paducah, Kentucky, you would talk to them, and they would sell you a 50-mile area in Paducah, Kentucky Mm -hmm. for $1,500, $2,000, and you'd have the rights to bottle Mm Coca-Cola. Well, when you bottled Coca-Cola, of course, you had to use the Coca-Cola syrup. Okay. Right? So it would be Coca-Cola. So you would buy the syrup from Atlanta, Georgia, where Asa Candler was making it, mm-hmm. but every time you bought syrup from Georgia, the guys that sold you the territory, they got a commission on that. So yeah. you bought you bought syrup. They sold you the territory. They still made money every time you bought syrup mm-hmm. from Georgia. Okay, so yeah. that that's how Coca-Cola grew in the United States. Okay, they started selling territories Uh. and that and that's really you know I say in my book that's how the Coca-Cola empire got started was Mm. all all these people that invested a little money and a lot of work and a lot of desire to create a product and put it in the marketplace for sale and look at what's happened you've got Coca-Cola you know Mm -hmm. great but it's interesting how Coca-Cola. At first, they thought, "No, bottling is really not a good idea." And look yeah. at Coca-Cola today. Where do you get it? In a bottle, in a can, you know.
0: Every, you... And everywhere in the world, every continent, every country in the world.
1: Yeah, it, it is true. You know, you and I are talking. I had the. I've talked to many people like this in England. I even talked to a man who has a big radio station in Dubai.
0: Okay.
1: And <laughs> we did a big interview, you know. And I had same thing and then I I looked at inter, 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 information about Dubai and the big soccer arena in Dubai. Yeah. It's the Coca-Cola soccer arena. Coca-Cola sponsors it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you say, Anthony they're everywhere, you know. And yeah, they're everywhere.
0: And to come to think that uh, Coca-Cola, you know, all these years I've heard that uh, Coca-Cola is made from a secret ingredient that nobody else in the world can copy. Well, Mm -hmm.
1: it, it it is true. They do have a formula that's pretty unique, and it is, in fact, why Coca-Cola has been successful because mm-hmm. that flavor carries through. I'll give you a good story. Uh, maybe you remember uh, uh, one time Coca-Cola came out with what they called the new Coke. You remember that? that? That was mm-hmm. 1980s. And mm-hmm. what happened at that time, Pepsi had a little challenge going. It was called the, the Pepsi challenge. And you would go and they would have two glasses of one of Coke, one of Pepsi. You didn't know which was which, and you Mm would sample. And a lot of people were picking Pepsi. They'd sample. And Mm -hmm. Coca-Cola was like, What's happening here? They like Pepsi. So Coca-Cola analyzes this. They get their fancy, you know, pharmacists or what a scientist. They determine, well, yes, Pepsi is sweeter. That's mm-hmm. the answer. So, Coca Cola, you talk about your formula, right? They create mm-hmm. a new formula and they make it sweeter. Mm-hmm. And they come out with the new Coke. And they spend two years and a lot of money telling people, this is it. This is the new Coke. Well, you know what? People didn't like it. People mm-hmm. did not. You know why they didn't like it? Why? the reason why very simple for you and i to understand now you know um mm-hmm. uh, if you get two little drinks of something and one is sweeter and they say which do you like you'll probably pick the one that's sweeter yeah but if they give you two big glasses to drink what are you going to enjoy the most you're going to enjoy the one that you can drink all the way and not feel all that sweetness, you know? Yeah. And that people, you know, when I did the book, Anthony, I would talk to Coca-Cola bottlers, distributors, and they would tell me, oh, when they came out with that new Coca-Cola, our our salespeople would be in the stores, and they'd be, you know, putting up the new Coca-Cola and... Little old ladies would come up to them and threaten them with their umbrella, say, if you don't bring back my Coca-Cola, you're gonna get it, you know. <laughs> finally, it took them two years mm-hmm. of getting complaints from customers to realize they'd made a mistake. Okay. And they went back to the original Coca-Cola. So mm-hmm. that yeah, you know, that formula has a lot of value. And and today. Any, any coca-cola has so many products but right. the basics yeah. of the products that they make that they if you it says on the can coca-cola it's got to some degree that original formula in it mm. you know I, I don't know if where you are you've tried yet or you can get but they've recently come out with a coca-cola coffee flavor oh. it's in the it's in those thin cans, you know, and it has, they have four flavors. there's a uh, regular uh, coffee dark, uh, there's a, like a, a vanilla, a mocha and so forth. It's very good. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and that's the other thing. I'm not a big Coca-Cola drinker. When I started doing the book, I didn't drink that much Coca-Cola. I just yeah. thought it was a good story, mm. and I do like the new Coca-Cola coffee flavor. It's got a little remember they give come out coca-cola cherry coca-cola vanilla you know i mean it goes on and on well this yeah. is
0: another flavor they've added and i i'll give them an a on that one that's a good one okay and let's go let, let's let's go here now since you say you are not a very good fan of coca-cola what inspired you to write the book
1: well, I'm a freelance writer, and I'm a writer, and that's what I do, okay? Mm-hmm. And I had learned that in Vicksburg, where they first bottled Coca-Cola, they had restored the, the little store where it was done, and it was a, a museum you could go visit. You could see the type of equipment and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I found out that about 60 miles away, there's another museum, Coca Cola Museum, and it actually is a museum that honors the, the family that started the bottling in Vicksburg. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's a, that, for someone that was looking for an interesting trip, the two, the two buildings are close, the two towns. So I, I thought, I'll do a story, a travel story for mm-hmm. the travel magazines about visiting these two Coca Cola museums. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good story. Well, I go to Vicksburg and I do, you know, I get my information, take pictures, and then I go to Monroe, Louisiana. Well, while I'm there, I am able to meet with one of the descendants, a great, great grandson of the man who first bottled Coca-Cola. And he starts telling me their story. And what are you doing? I tell him what I'm doing. He said, that's not just here it's all over the united states and no one's written about it about the wonderful families that've started and have continued to bottle coca-cola mm-hmm. so he encouraged me he said look at this and he gave me names of of other families that had been involved for generations you know and <laughs> yeah i realized it indeed was a book mm mm-hmm. And I counted on him a lot to give me ideas, you know, where are places I could go? Well, the first book took two and a half years, and I visited Coca-Cola families, bottlers, all over primarily the south, southwest, southeast, you know, because that's where the history started. Yeah. I got some great stories, met some wonderful people. They would dig out photos you know, from their family albums. Look at here's, here's in fact, in the book, the first page, in the first chapter about Vicksburg, we've got a picture from those one family book of a gentleman driving a mule driven wagon loaded with cases of Coca-Cola. Mm. This was in 1986, well, what could he be but he had to be the world's first coca-cola delivery man and you we got mean, a big you mean 1896. 1896 He's said mm-hmm. he's got his horse-drawn wagon it's loaded up with wooden cases of coca-cola no doubt he is the world's first coca-cola delivery man and we got mm-hmm. a big picture of him in the book that's the kind of photos that we were able to find. And, and we went to, you know, historical uh, societies in different towns where they would have newspaper articles and pictures of them. So there's a lot of history in the book. We we, we kind of say the book is travel and history because we're mm-hmm. going places. It's where you what we tried to do is is go to places that are still there, Mm-hmm. They may not be Coca-Cola. Maybe it's an old plant now, mm-hmm. you know, that's now uh, maybe a museum or maybe it's an entertainment center or a shopping center. But places where you could go, Anthony, and, and see something that was Coca-Cola. And while you're there, we're going to sh- tell you what it is. So mm-hmm. it's travel and it's history. And mm-hmm. it, it, and there are great stories all over the country as, of how it all got started, and and how, what the different things that families did and and, and bottlers did to to uh, to make the drink popular. People have never heard of Coca. What is Coca-Cola? You know, yeah. so it's those are the stories that that Coca-Cola corporate has never told you. So that's yeah. what we
0: do. And, and I want to believe in the history of Coca-Cola and the, uh, the people that you tell us about, uh, all the way, these should be very wealthy families. Uh, they okay. are. Yeah. In fact,
1: in the uh, uh, the forward, I've done two books. I did a, a sequel, okay? But in the first book, uh, the forward to that book was written by this gentleman I had met who was a great, great grandson. and. And he talked about the value of Coca-Cola, what it's been to his family. And he said, you know, we realized that getting a, the ability and the, to bottle and sell Coca-Cola was like getting the keys to a gold mine. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> and there are so many families. You know, Anthony, there was one family in Chattanooga that got involved with this original group that had the franchise right and he got involved mm-hmm. he actually bought part of that that friend that business okay mm-hmm. and and through the years he also sold coca-cola franchises to other people mm-hmm. okay so what he would do he a lot of times he it might be a friend or a relative or someone that he really knew and what, and if they didn't have the money, the $1,500 or whatever, he would help finance it, you know. Mm-hmm. But to do that, he got part of the company. Mm-hmm. So through the years, he acquired ownership of some degree in Coca Cola plants all over the country. Well, this was handed down from one in his family to another to another finally the third generation had this and it continued to grow and it was the point where coca-cola corporate was trying to buy some of these Mm -hmm. they bought what that man had started three generations ago they bought all of his interest in coca-cola plants Mm -hmm. for one point three billion dollars mm. not billion billion okay yeah so that and the, and there's a lot of stories like that where people mm-hmm. you know as it's, it's typical business you know families for whatever reason they don't, the kids don't want to do it anymore or, or it's time to sell and go fishing or whatever you know so they sell mm-hmm. and and there's been a lot of money made just in selling of those companies.
0: Yeah. And and when you talk about money and you you speak in billions. One of the things that uh, fascinates me with the Coca-Cola story, I don't know whether it's there in the book, it's their way of marketing. And when I look at their budget, I see that in a year Coca-Cola spends billion in advertising, that's how it gets to the whole world. (laughs) They're everywhere,
1: just like we're talking about the stadium in Dubai, right? I mean, you know, Asa Candler once said, and this was way back in 1920-something, he was in Hollywood, he was talking to somebody in Hollywood, and, you know, he said, because they were doing a lot of outside signs, you know, the big outside Coca-Cola. And he told a movie producer in Hollywood, "The day will come where you cannot shoot a movie, make a movie outside without there being a Coca-Cola sign in the background." Well, it's all, but but they're involved, you know, Anthony. Not only they're advertising. Mm-hmm. Again, the secret, because you have all these bottlers in these communities they get involved in their community Mm -hmm. they scholarships they sponsor things they build football stadiums they put up billboards with you know at the stadiums whatever the community needs coca-cola is there Mm -hmm. and that's really their involvement i mean yeah i don't know where you are they have the christmas trucks yet yeah do they have the trucks the big trucks that come at Christmas are all decorated. I, I have seen one once. Well, you know what happened there that started out the original one was an advertising agency created the truck. It wasn't even a real truck. Mm-hmm. And it was so popular that ad that Coca Cola said, We should do these. All over the world, we should do real Coca-Cola Christmas trucks mm-hmm. and decorate the trucks and come to town and give away things to the people and so forth. And it's amazing; they're everywhere. You know, it's just another example of Coca-Cola wanting to be part of the community they're in. They are, and that's I found that in doing the research and meeting with these people, the love for Coca-Cola. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not; it's as much the memory as as the drink. Mm -hmm. People remember good times. They remember there's places where where, and we write about it in the book where these big signs these outdoor signs they get they get old you know and people will spend communities will spend thousands thousands of dollars to restore the sign, to bring it back to life. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of advertising. And I asked someone, I've asked a couple of times about when I would write about one of these signs, I'd say, well, why are you restoring it? Mm-hmm. They don't do it for other signs. They <laughs> say, because Coca-Cola has such important memories in our town, they've done so much. And we we remember as children, we'd go by and they'd have the, watch the bottles being filled, you know? And mm-hmm. chances are, if you were a little boy and you were standing outside and they were bottling Coca-Cola, somebody inside would see you and they'd bring you a couple of Coca-Colas, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, it's those memories that have made what Coca-Cola is. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's a great drink, but it's their involvement. When you see the at, that Coca-Cola logo, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those warm, well, they say warm and fuzzy things, you know.
0: Yeah, sure, sure.
1: Uh, and that's and that is the key to why they have been so successful. I had a gentleman. Um, contact me a couple of weeks ago who is is an avid Coca-Cola fan. He's a historian for them. And he said, you know, the difference between Coca-Cola and Pepsi mm-hmm. is Coca-Cola allowed people all over the country to become involved and to become successful and wealthy. Mm-hmm. They said Pepsi never did that. It's always." Mm-hmm. Corporate does it. Corporate makes the money, and that's the end, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it truly is. They've gotten people involved in selling their product.
0: Mm-hmm. What a
1: what a neat idea, Anthony. You and I should come up with something that we could get a lot of people to
0: sell for us, right? Yeah, because that's why I was coming. Now, since they had such a big uh, success in whatever they are doing. Uh, it's a gold mine that someone saw somewhere. Do you think we've still got that gold mine somewhere that we can come up with something and uh, <laughs> we blow it as big as Coca-Cola?
1: Uh, I think it's probably going on right now if we look at some of the the, the, the technology and things that are way beyond my old tired head, okay? Uh, it's just different. Coca-Cola has such a... Such a grassroots thing to it that we like to we like to hang on to it and talk about it because it's the kind of thing that if you and I had been around in you know the early 1900s, we we would have had the opportunity for a little bit of money to become very very wealthy. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's true. You know, I tell you a story about the. You want to hear a story about the Coca-Cola bottle? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, you know. As it as Coca-Cola became successful in the early 1900s, a lot of people talk about, you know, people want to be involved. There were a lot of people that made cola drinks. Mm-hmm. And they were calling them, you know, Chiro Cola. They were calling it Coca-Cola spelled with a K. And in those days, Bottling was whatever bottle you could find. You put the stuff in, right? You put a label on it. So maybe you called it uh, Coca-Cola with a K, and you put it in there. People would go into the store, and they'd see the word cola. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they'd buy it. Well, because Coca-Cola, the little bottlers in those days, it's whatever bottle they could find was available. That's what they were bottling. Coca-Cola corporate in 1905 said, wait a minute, we're losing sales because people are confused. Mm-hmm. They don't know, okay? We want a bottle that when you pick it up, when you look at that bottle, you know that's the real Coca-Cola and no one else will have that bottle. They go to the bottle makers, the companies that make bottles, mm-hmm. and they said, we have a competition. We want you to each design a bottle that will become the Coca-Cola bottle. And the company that has the best one will get the contract to make all the Coca-Cola bottles. So there were five companies that entered the competition. Mm-hmm. And in 1905, they had a, a, a meeting in Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia, where all the the Coca-Cola bottlers at that time came to the meeting, and the five companies that each had made bottles were there to present their bottles. Well, obviously, one of them won, the bottle that we all know, um, and that bottle was was made by Indiana, the Root Glass Company. So that bottle was selected, And Coca-Cola said, now each company had brought like five bottles to show Mm -hmm. their different styles. Coca-Cola said, okay, we're going to select this one. We want all the other bottles destroyed. And as far as the one we selected, we want to keep one to put in the archives of Mm Coca-Cola. So that was the, the thing. That was what was supposed to happen. Well, what happened is the family of, of one of the men who designed the original bottle. They were able to, to keep one, okay? Nobody knew this, okay? They mm-hmm. kind of slipped it out of there. So there were actually two kept. There was one bottle that's in the Coca-Cola archives in Atlanta. There's this other bottle that stayed in this family for generations. Mm-hmm. Well, about three years ago, The bottle came up for sale at an estate auction in California. Mm. That bottle sold for over $150,000, that one bottle. And the reason we know it was the bottle, on the bottom of the bottle was embossed 1905. Mm. Coca-Cola never started using that bottle until 1906. Okay. It won the one survived $150,000. And the, you know, when I was a kid many, many years ago, yeah. I'd take a Coca Cola bottle back to the store and I'd get two cents for it. Yeah, and, I remember that. <laughs> you know, so, I mean. you, so here's a Coca Cola bottle that went for $150,000. Oh. <laughs> there's a lot of people that collect Coca-Cola bottles.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. This is yeah. A of, there, there's a lot of uh, items that people collect today, those interesting uh, advertisements of the 60s. Oh, the,
1: the Coca-Cola logo is on every trays and signs. And I, there is a group, and it's an international group, of Coca-Cola collectors. <laughs> mm-hmm. and they have a big convention once a year. Uh, this year, they're, in fact, they're having it in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and all these collectors come and they display all the different things they collect and they trade items and swap and sell and so forth. And I've been to a couple of them. It is absolutely amazing the things that they find that has Coca-Cola logo on it, you know. Mm. Uh, the danger of that, if you're thinking of getting into that, uh-huh. is the the value is in the original thing. Like they have the trays, you know, the Coca-Cola trays, uh-huh. and there's been so many companies that have gone to Coca-Cola and have gotten permission to make reproductions.
0: Okay. But
1: the, the reproductions, I mean, they are of little value compared to the originals. So. If you decide you want to be a Coca-Cola collector, make sure you can look at the back. And Coca-Cola requires that if you're doing a reproduction, you, you better say it's a reproduction. Yeah. So the, the original items, like the trays, the trays are a big, big collector item. The mm. Original items they go for a lot of money, and the collectors, <laughs> and the original signs, you know, the, the, the Coca-Cola for sale here signs and things like that. If you get one, it's yeah, worth a lot of money and that's what they look.
0: looking for. Uh, well, I would love to be on one of those events to see those collectibles. I'm sorry, Anthony, repeat what you said? I say sometime in the future, I would love to be in such an event where I'm going to see the collectibles from Nia. Yeah,
1: there there should, it would be great. And and I'm sure that the people all over the world collect them. You know, so why not? Well, have one in Greece, you know, it would be great. Have have one in Dubai. I mean, everybody
0: knows Coca-Cola.
1: It would be great to, to have one there.
0: I think so something is something is happening with the microphone over there, but it's okay. We've been okay, but <laughs> anyway, are we, doing, is, are we okay now? Yeah, we are okay. We are okay. Only said that it's making some noises at some points, but anyway, let's keep moving.
1: Okay, so any, anyhow, that's a big thing is the Coca-Cola collectibles, and and a lot of people do that. You know, mm-hmm. but it's just. You know, and I'm not a, 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 Coca, a big Coca-Cola fan. You know, someone say, like, "Oh, he must really like Coca-Cola." You know, I have never collected anything until I got into this book, mm-hmm. and then a couple of the, the, the bottlers had certain things. Like there was a bottler up in northern Mississippi that, on mm. his hundredth anniversary of the company, they made a special trade. So while I was visiting him, he gave me one of the trays, and I kept it, and it's on display. And there's a lot of that, but as far as being a collector, no, I don't collect, and and I, I don't have to drink six bottles of Coca-Cola a day like some people. But it's truly an amazing product, and mm. and my hats are off.
0: Okay, and now we thank you that you've written a book about it that we are going to add to the collectibles that we are going to take of Coca-Cola. Thank you very much. Well,
1: thank you, Anthony. I've enjoyed it. The book is available um, on, on the website, thecocacolatrail.com. And like I said, we've written a second book, which was called Return To.
0: So lots of Coca-Cola memories. Oh, wonderful. And we are going to share the links on the show so that people can just click and go to the websites to get the book. Right. Yes. And at Book Place, or rather this Book Talk episode, we always ask the author to leave us with a few words that we will always remember. few words. A few words. Well,
1: I think the words for fellow authors would be to write something you're interested in, whether it's a novel that has a theme that that you that you really can get excited about, or whether I write nonfiction about something I'm interested in, because that's the motivation to finish the book, to finish what you're writing, is you enjoy it. So be motivated in your writing. That's the best thing.
0: Ah, wonderful. And thank you very much. So Here we've been with Larry Jorgensen with the book, The Coca-Cola Trail. And uh, we thank you, Larry. Thank you, Anthony. I have enjoyed it very much. Yes. And we also thank you, uh, the viewers there and the listeners. And remember to share it with your friends. And don't forget to also get the book. That's why we are here. (laughs) Thank you. So that's it for now. Bye, until next time. Bye.